0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of United States podcast. I'm Bala Musitz.
1: And I'm Mike Wasserman.
0: This is our podcast about sailing and cruising on the East Coast of the United States. But today, we have a very, very different podcast topic for you. Uh, so if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that Mike and I like to, like to try new things. And well, this one is way out there. It's not about sailing at all. It's actually about the experience of losing my 95-year-old mother and how it completely changed my view of death and dying. I went from fearing it and trying to ignore it to embracing the experience.
1: And Bela, this is the beauty of podcasting. If this isn't of interest to you, it's fine to skip it right? and, and, and go on with the rest of your day. But as part of you and I talking about this, you know, I thought this is a really cool idea to just do an episode on this and kind of what you went through that it might be really helpful for some of our listeners. Um, One of the things about getting older um, is that you gain more experience at dealing with people you love dying. And I guess I've lost my father and my father-in-law in in the past few years. So although I never like to say, I know what you're feeling Bella, as you go through the loss, um, because I, I don't know what you're feeling and I, but I do know it can be difficult, very difficult for, for many people. Um, my perception is that everyone deals with death and dying differently. And second, it's not easy to lose someone you love, even when they've been very sick or they've been in pain or they're very old. It's still a hard process. I've seen those things happen, and I know that it's not, um, it's not, it's still not easy. Um, and I know that every situation's different. Um, and then third, I think not only is it hard to lose somebody that you love, but a lot of people struggle with how to support somebody close to them who loses somebody. And I think that's really important. Is even if it's not me, if I'm young and I haven't lost anybody, I'm going to know people that have lost people. And that's why I think having this conversation might be helpful to everybody. So in my case, I think one of the ways I can support you as you uh, go through this process um, is ask you if you want to talk about losing your mom. So Bela, I'll start this way. Hey, I'm sorry to hear that you lost your mom. Do you want to talk a bit about your mom and how you're feeling?
0: Yeah, and I and I think I agree with you, Mike. It is very helpful. I have found it to be uh, very comforting to find an individual or two that I can share this experience with. And, you know, that's, as they say, I guess that's part of the process. And, uh, it's been great having you, uh, you know, uh, listening as, as I've worked through this. So a little bit of background, and I think this is a good place to start, right? Uh, so a, a little bit of background about my family and growing up and stuff. So You know, growing up, my family unit was my dad, my mom, my sister, and me. That was it. All of our relatives were back in Hungary, and I never saw them. Uh, I really didn't have a relationship with them because I I, we immigrated to this country when I was uh, just over three years old. So I really don't have any memories of any of my relatives. And um, you know, they were still behind the iron curtain. We sort of escaped from a a country behind the iron curtain. So there was no going back to visit. And, um, uh, so whenever someone did pass away, it was fundamentally a phone call or a letter that we received that, you know, my, my father's brother passed away or my father's or my grandparents passed away or one of them passed away. Right. So there really wasn't much else. And, and that was sort of my experience, uh, in, in sort of, uh, death of relatives or people that, you know, certainly I could see how it impacted my mom and dad because they knew those folks for a long time and they were close to them. Uh, And then I think it was about 12 years ago, my father passed away. Uh, It was kind of suddenly and uh, I got a phone call from my mom. Uh, I lived in upstate New York at that time. Uh, My parents lived down in North Carolina and she said, you know, uh, dad passed away. And, uh, you know, so that was my, my whole sort of context of, of people passing was receiving a phone call. And even though I was very close to my parents, uh, we had lived in different states for 25 years almost. So we didn't see each other a lot, two or three times a year. They were not, they were not uh, built in to my daily life and my daily life patterns. Uh, so I think, you know, that was sort of interesting. Uh, and five years ago, um, when my mom was 90, uh, you know, the house became too much for her. So she sold her house in North Carolina, uh, and she moved up North here up to New York state uh, where I live. And we got her an apartment up here, very close to me, five minute drive away. And she wanted to be closer to family, uh, especially the grandkids and the great grandchildren, right? So at this point in time, she had grandkids and great grandchildren. And since she was so close, I, I would, I would see her like several times a week. And I would say that in the last five years, I saw my mom three or four times every week, talk to her every night on the phone. And we became much closer than we were the previous 25 years where we, you know, saw each other just a few times a year. And, uh, and she didn't drive when she moved up here. So you know my wife elaine would take her shopping or i I'd, I'd take her shopping and um you know she became an integral part of our family uh which is interesting right cuz your parent wasn't for a while right cuz you sort of move away and and that's just how life is it's not like many many families were you know a 100 years ago where everyone lived in the same house <laughs> and uh so she became an integral part of the family and her eyesight started failing. So she, she had macular degeneration, became, she became blind and, um, you know, and, and I got along with her great, uh, my, Elaine got along with her great. So it was a nice, close, close relationship. Um, and, uh, we became very close in the last five years. Uh, and, and so that was, that, that in itself was, uh, was a wonderful experience and I'm really grateful that we had that opportunity to sort of rebond and reconnect uh, that we sort of had lost because of the distance, uh, the the geographic distance between our lives.
1: Interesting, Bailey. Interesting history. Thanks for sharing it. But, you know, I think it's really cool to learn some of these stories about your mom because I didn't know a lot of these things. I mean, you would talk about her, but but this is kind of cool. One question I have for you is how was the transition from her from living in this apartment close to you? And I know that um, she went into assisted living, and I know that can be a really hard transition for some families. How did that work for you?
0: yeah, that that was a hard transition because she was fiercely independent. You know, she lived alone in her house for for uh, a, you know uh, seven or eight years uh, before she got the apartment. and um, it it was it was something that also happened suddenly because she she sort of fell in the apartment. And it became obvious, it became very clear that living alone did not work. It was not a safe environment for her. Um, and, you know, so it, it took some coaxing. Uh, but I think deep down, my mom understood that this this was fine. And, and we found her a place a, a, also really close home, really close to my house, you know, five minutes away. Uh, and it was it was sort of like being in a in a college dormitory, if you ask me. That's what it reminded me of, right? <laughs> everyone had a private room. Uh, everyone went to eat at the didn't call it the cafeteria, but you know the dining room. And you got three meals a day. Um, you still had your private room. Uh, you had neighbors, and you could chit chat with them if you wanted. They had lots of social activities. Uh, they had all you know, whether it be you know bingo or you know, storytelling time or, or crafts. They had lots of stuff to do. And, um, you know, so it was pretty nice. And I think the first month there for her was challenging. Uh, she accepted it and, and it was probably two or three months after that. She had been there. Then she started calling it home. She, she accepted it and said, you know what, this is, this is working out well. And it did work out well. Um, and you know, During the time she was there, you could see that her activity level and her energy level were slowly decreasing and that, um, you know, nothing, no sudden changes in anything, but she'd have a little setback. She'd, she'd get a cold or something. And then when she'd recover from something, she'd never quite got back to her previous sort of level. And uh, there were some great days and there were some not so great days. And, you know, it got to the point where it seemed like every year we would make a couple of trips to the emergency room uh, because she'd fall ill uh, or become very weak. And they'd, they'd send her, you know, I get the phone call. Hey, your mom's on the way to the emergency room. I'd go. She'd spend, you know, maybe a day, maybe three days in the hospital. Uh, and then she'd return. And she'd be a little less mobile than she was before she went into the hospital, right? So you get each one of these little step function. Every time she'd make a trip to the emergency room, when she'd come back, she just she went she went down a little bit. Um, so it was a clear trend, a very clear trend, and 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 that's you know that's just the way it is. Uh, I talked to her every night on the phone. I'd see her two or three times a week, and she still remained a, a very integrated part of our family. She'd see the great grandkids. Should be at the house for holidays, etc. So it was all wonderful.
1: Yeah, but this going downhill, I know, is also hard, right? That you see people starting to fail and eventually get to the point where you know, you know, the end is coming soon. Um, it's it's an interesting, again, another transition point. I think that's hard for people to kind of think about this that the, the end is coming, um, and you kind of change roles, right? Is you know, you were the child, and your mom was the parent. But now, at this stage, you really act more like the parent, right? And helping, and yeah. helping your mom. Um, what was your experience in this phase, as kind of the ro- the roles flipped?
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's it's another good question, Mike. Because quite honestly, in in the beginning, and this probably doesn't sound nice to say, but yeah, you know, hey, I'm just I'm an open book about this stuff. It it almost felt like a burden. It was like, oh, what a, what a pain in the butt, right? I gotta I gotta go do this. And then there was some point in time, and I, I don't know what happened or why it happened, but but then it became it became something I wanted to do. It switched, right? It went from sort of being a burden, uh, the, being a duty or an obligation is not the right word. I I didn't feel like obligated, like I had to do it. I felt like I wanted to do it. Right? I wanted to help my mom. I I, I wanted her. I wanted. Her, I wanted to be there uh, while she was. You know, she'd be some day. She wouldn't get out of bed. She would just. You know, just barely get out of bed. They'd bring her meals to her. And other days she'd be up out of bed and she'd be walking around the building. So there were these these real periods of of swings up up and down. And while we were progressing through that. Um, you know, she became much more dependent upon us, and then then the whole COVID thing hit, which was you know another thing that just I, I, for a period of time I couldn't see my mom. Right, the the assisted living place was locked down, and we could we could go chat with her through the window of her room, uh, which which made it really challenging. And and I I also remember that was a really strange thing for my mom to try to understand. She had trouble coping with. Wait a minute, what that what do you what the hell's going on, right? And I tell her, well, the the grand the great grandkids can't come see you because they're too young and they won't let them in. And, you know, we talked to mom through the window of her room. And it was just sort of a, that was sort of the whole COVID thing added this strange twist to everything. But I will tell you during that last year, going back to sort of what I talked about early in this podcast, I expected to get the phone call from the assisted living place that, you know, last night your mom passed away. And that was sort of my expectation. Um, and in many ways in my mind, that's how I wanted it to happen. I, I sort of like, I did not want to be there. I didn't want to get the phone call that, that said, Hey, you know what? Your mom's going to pass away soon. You know, why don't you come over? I I just, for whatever, for whatever reasons, again, I can't explain these emotional things. I did not want to be there to see my mom pass away. Um, so I was sort of okay with this notion of, I'll just get a phone call. And I clearly, every time I left her or every time I talked to her on the phone, every time I left when I was visiting her, in my own mind, I said my goodbyes, right? It was, in in my mind, I clearly understood that that may be the last time that I see her. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's sort of where I was sort of in that last year where I knew things were getting close and that any day I could get a phone call.
1: Interesting. Um, and I assume that she knew that the end was near too, right? At some point, how did she feel about the end of her life? Did you talk about it with her, what she wanted and how she felt?
0: Yes. Yeah. We were very open about that. Uh, she had this great saying. She would say, for, actually, for the last couple of years, you know, she, she would say, you know, I feel like that any moment in time, 49% of my body wants to die. And 51% of it wants to live. And then the next day it'll just be the opposite. It'll be 49% wants to live and 51% wants to die. Uh, and these and these two sides are constantly fighting each other. Uh, but we talked about we talked about what she wanted, what her wishes were. You know, she said she was very clear, she does not want any surgery, she does not want to be sustained. She does not want any of those things. And and she would often say, you know, I just, I just hope I go to sleep one night and I don't wake up, you know, that that's kind of what she wanted. Uh, And, and so we had talked about that. We talked about what she wanted for, you know, any types of services, all that kind of stuff. And her and her and I were open with each other about that. She was consistent about it. So we had all the legal stuff in place. So I was her healthcare proxy. She had a living will. You know, she had do not resuscitate, do not intubate, orders in place, all those types of things so that when something does happen, people don't do things that you don't want them to do. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was actually, it, it was okay to talk about that and it, it wasn't emotional my mom was clear about it, which, which made it good. She wasn't like, oh, you decide what to do, <laughs> right? She didn't put it, she didn't put that burden on me. She said, here's what I want. And I found that to be very, very helpful. And it's, and it's something I hope I remember when I get to that point that I say that to my kids to say, hey, here's what I want. And I just want to be clear about it. You know?
1: So, Bela, we need you need to have that conversation now with them because you never know um, when you're like you are lucky. Your mom's mental faculties were clear, right? She was clear. Uh, at the end, but not everybody is so fortunate or she could speak. Um, Not everybody is so fortunate. So that's probably a good takeaway from this. It's not tomorrow or next week, but you should probably think about really clarifying that if you haven't already with your family um, to take what you learned from what you just told me, right. About your relationship with your mom and making sure that that gift, you give that gift to your, to your kids and your wife, right. Cause she really gave you a gift there of being, of not making it your, your burden. Right. That's one that's of the right. most amazing gifts. Uh, I think a parent can give a child.
0: Yeah? Yep, Yeah. I mean, Elaine and I actually do have living wills, uh, you know, but but I think, you know, what happens with a living will is it's filed away in a box and people kind of forget what it is. So having those conversations um, on a regular basis, I'm not sure what regular means, is important. Uh, so so people understand that that's sort of still what you want. And you can yeah, modify, even if they're uncomfortable. Even if they're yeah. uncomfortable, that's right, that's right. And I, I, you know, I've I've had those conversations, and you know, my one son's an emergency room doctor, so and right. so is his it makes wife, it so they, they they understand these things, and and they also understand that they have seen many times when it goes bad, when mm-hmm. there's no communication about what's going on, and one part of the family wants one thing, and another part of the family wants another thing, and he goes, it's just a disaster. Yep, right? it's an emotional disaster for everyone. Um, whereas my mom was very clear about this; everyone supported what she wanted, and it made all of that sort of easy. If you know, I'm not sure it's an appropriate word, but it 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 made it clear. It made it clear that that's what we were going to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's an interesting takeaway from this conversation, Bela, is that you know for listeners too, and for us, is to make that you know, I don't like New Year's resolutions. Uh, a, a, a friend of a friend taught me it's much better to have New Year's intentions, right? So you don't let yourself down. Um, but yeah, as to, to sometime this year, um, kind of have those conversations and talk to, if you haven't already set up like what you said, is to talk to a lawyer or every doctor's office or every hospital of social worker. I have a good friend, Amy, and she's a social worker um, at a hospital in Michigan. And that's her job is to help families um, navigate this. Um, and it's probably good to, to set, set those things up and start to have those conversations, even if you're young and healthy. Um, my experience with my parents is you just don't know when they're going to kind of lose their cognitive ability or lose their ability to communicate. I've had both happen. So yeah. that's kind of a cool takeaway. But let's go back to your mom's story. Um, what were the Tell me about the last few days of her life. I mean, I think that's kind of where we're at at this point. You knew the end yeah. was coming. You'd had these conversations. What
0: happened? Yeah. So uh, on a Saturday morning, 730-ish, the phone rang. The phone normally doesn't ring on a Saturday mo- or any morning at 730, right? So I knew it was something. And it was the assisted living place. And they said that, you know, this morning when I checked on my mom, um, it, she had signs and symptoms of a stroke. Uh, she had slurred speech, face was drooping on one side. So those are kind of clear signs of a stroke. So she was on her way to the hospital. Um, so I went to the emergency room to meet her there. And, uh, you know, this is also COVID still going on. So you can't go see people in the emergency room, but they're also very compassionate people who work in hospitals. And, you know, so I called up and I said, look, English is a second language for my mom. She's legally blind, (laughs) I'm her healthcare proxy. And they said, yes, no problem, you can come in. So, you know, just because they have a rule at a hospital, uh, and I found here again, being pleasant about it to the person you're talking to, not demanding anything, sort of asking permission, worked very well uh, in this situation. So I was there in the emergency room, saw her, you know, her, her speech was clearly slurred. It's hard to understand her. Um, they ran some tests, did the CT scans, MRIs, all that kind of stuff. And they clearly showed she had a minor stroke. And it looked like the biggest impact was with her speech and her ability to swallow. Uh, so those were kind of the two big deficits that were sort of there. Uh, it didn't look like there was anything else, but you know you never know for sure. But that was the, the sort of the two big deficits. Uh, so they admitted her to the hospital, and after about a day, uh, it became pretty clear she was not going to leave the hospital. Or if she wasn't going to leave the hospital, she'd be going to a, a, a nursing home. Uh, so they actually moved her uh, to a wing of the hospital where they, they deal with very, very sick individuals. So not intensive care. Uh, but sort of people who are you know in the last period of their life and 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 the nurses and the doctors there uh, and the technicians, everybody sort of specialize in this stuff and <clears throat> here again in in the hospital, you know i'd go visit her and'd spend a fair amount of time with her in my own mind, early on in this process i was I was still thinking about this notion of you know. I just get a phone call in the morning or in the afternoon when I'm not there. Say, hey, your mom passed away, and I didn't want to be there. And again, every time I left the hospital, I, I sort of said my goodbyes, and, and I realized that might be the last time I see her. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's sort of, you know, that first few days, that's, that's what that was like.
1: Interesting. And I know this feeling of just not wanting to be there, just wanting it to be quick and quiet and right, a phone call is fine, but, um, but it doesn't always work that way. Right. What happened next?
0: Yeah. You know, it, it, I I even considered saying something to the nurses there that, you know, if you know that it's getting close, don't call me. You know, I don't, I don't want to be here. I mean, it was like, I mean, I, I didn't say anything, but I came really close Actually, I talked to Andy, my son, about that—that that my my emergency room doctor's son about it, and he said, "Don't say anything, Dad. It'll it'll work out," you know. And I think he's seen enough of this to know he, he was very helpful in sort of helping guide me through this as well, uh, which was interesting. A- again, right? the kid the kid
1: becomes the parent in some yes. ways,
0: right? Exa- exactly, right. And and so that was that was very helpful, and, and I, you know, he he really had. He shared a couple of insights along this process, and and they were actually they were actually here while my mom was in the hospital. Uh, they happened to be visiting at the time, and uh, so he got to see her as well, and and uh, which was which was fortunate. Uh, but anyway, I thought about t- saying something to the nurses, hey, don't call me, just call me that she's passed. Um, but I didn't, and I'll tell you the, the doctors and nurses on this wing of the hospital were super, right? Not only did they know how to make a patient comfortable, which is sort of, she's in comfort care, right? They they, they know she's going to pass away. Um, my mom didn't want a feeding tube. She didn't want anything to sustain life. So we didn't do any of those things. So then, you know, okay, it's, you know, this many days, this is how the body works. It's like, if you don't have water, you last three or four days at the most, right? If you don't have food, but you can get water, then you'll last, you know, three or four weeks. That's just sort of how it works. Um, but not only did the nurses and doctors on this wing know how to make my mom comfortable and do all the things that she needed, uh, but they also really were very, very helpful in helping the family deal with this, right, and me deal with it. They, they sort of guided me through this process uh, in a very compassionate way, and, and it, was, it was just remarkable to me. You could tell that these people— were here not only because they were very knowledgeable about what was going to happen and how it was going to happen for the for the most part but also because they were compassionate people right if you think about it people who work on this wing <laughs> right they have a special gift too because they're dealing with this on a daily basis yeah
1: yeah, the whole hospice process and comfort care. I mean, these, you know, in this times especially, it's important to appreciate. I think the people who are working hard in the yeah. healthcare system and overworked and overburdened. But yeah, these people that help with end of life are just amazing. It really is something special and and rare and and should be valued and appreciated. Um, so how did you spend your time with her during the last few days? Yeah,
0: you know, so I spent a lot of time in the hospital. My sister was here also. She was able to come up. For several days uh like i said my her, her grandson my son was here my other son lives here so everybody got to say their goodbyes which was that was really good that, that's the other good thing about not getting the phone call in the middle of the night that something that she passed away right so we did have this sort of a week where we knew it was coming and and people got to come in and and, and deal with it and process it the way that they wanted to so i spent a lot of time in a hospital with her and and you know, she couldn't speak. Uh, her, 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 her ability to speak decreased each day. So the last three or four days, she couldn't speak at all. She could nod her head. She clearly could hear, right? So when I walked into a room and I said hello to her, you know, she she would reach her arm out. So she, her hand out, so she clearly could hear. Uh, and, you know, I sat there and talked to her. And I talked to her about the happy times we had as a family, uh, talked to her about growing up, you know, what a great mom she was and And she would acknowledge those things, you know, either by nodding her head or or by you know squeezing my hand tight or something so she she clearly clearly was there uh, and, and could hear and understand and then I think it was about the fourth day here again, I don't know what happened, but i I can't explain it, but I did a complete one eighty about wa- not wanting to be there. I totally switched is like. I, I went from just call me up and tell me she's passed to I want to be here for her i I, I want to be here and and experience this uh, with her when she passes and I, I don't know what the hell happened in my head but but something something flipped uh, and you know it was on the seventh day in the hospital it was early in the evening everyone else had gone. I was the only one there it was just my mom and I and you could tell things were changing right her breathing patterns were changing there's other things going on and you could tell that something was was going to happen and you know I, I was there holding her hand when she passed and and it was i i thought i didn't know what to expect but it was it was just it, it really was pretty good
1: what were your emotions uh, kind of in that moment what what was going through your mind
0: yeah it was you know it was calm and it was loving. it was peaceful. it It really was a very, very fulfilling spiritual experience. it, it was it was just I don't know. I, I, it for me, it worked out really great. you know and i and I think about it, you know it was sort of like the full circle of life, right? We were together. My mom and I were together when I came into this world, right? And we were together when she departed the world, and and that sort of is the, the the full circle, and it was it was just the opposite of what I had conjured up and feared in my mind. I, I was really scared of this moment, and and it and it I welcomed it with open arms, and it and it and it was just I'm so glad I did it. Uh, and again, I don't know what force came over me. I don't know what changed my mind, but something did. Uh, and you know, this, this, for me, it was great. Um, as great as something like this can be again, it was, it was very, f- f- just a great spiritual experience. I was so happy I, I was able to be there for that. Uh, hopefully it brought some comfort to my mom and you know, this experience may or may not be for you. I'm, I'm not trying to, to say this is what everyone should do. I'm just sharing sort of this winding, twisting road that I went down, uh, f- for me uh, and So I hope that, you know, you will, if something like this happens to you, you'll be open to something like this, right? If I could, I could envision how I could have just ran away from this and and not been open to it, but for whatever reason, I was open to it and I was able to embrace it. And it turned out, it turned out really well. Yeah.
1: Bela, thanks for sharing this. I mean, I know this isn't easy to talk about this and. Kind of with a whole bunch of people essentially sitting in your living room and listening to the story along with me, right? But but I think there's some really big takeaways. I totally agree with you. Everybody's going to handle this differently. Everybody has different and sometimes very complicated relationships with their parents uh, and other family members. Um, you, you know, so so you know everybody's experience is going to be different. But I think there's some some consistent takeaways here um, with how we deal with loss, uh, especially of a parent. Um, and one thing is actually to give some forethought, as we said to. How you want to deal with your family as and friend as friends in terms of how the the come the the end comes from them and how we deal with our own mortality um, in terms of what we want to start thinking about as as we get closer sometimes you have no knowledge and it's fast uh, but sometimes you do have um, some ability to develop some insights and I think that um you know you said at some point that um, you know you said your goodbye every time you talk to somebody and kind of having that approach of not leaving anything unsaid I know that happened to me in my experiences that it was really important to feel like you said what you needed to say, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and that's kind of a nice mentality to maybe take away from your story is that you never know when the end is going to happen. And it's really important to make sure that every time you say goodbye to somebody on the phone or when you visit, you do it with that intentionality. Um, that it could be the last time you see them, young or old, right? Um, but kind of living your life that way, I think, has some has some benefits. Um I think the second point um, after kind of not leaving things unsaid, is this idea of clear instructions about um, last wishes, about medical care, um, about a service, about things like that. And um, I really think that that's something that, no matter how you feel about your relatives or how you feel about yourself or how you feel about death, that it's really important to put some thinking into that before you get sick, before you you know something happens, um, so that that's in place. And like you said, kind of revisiting that on some sort of regular basis to make sure that the people around you know what you want. As hard as those conversations are, it's a lot harder to not know, you know. Um, So that really is a gift that your mom gave you. Um, And I hope that that's uh, something that um, people can take away from this. And then I think the last thing is, you're right, is keep an open mind um, that your preconceived ideas about death and dying, um, again, can change. And as long as you're open to that change and being honest with yourself and with the people around you, Um, is great and it's great to ask for help it's great you asked your son it's great that you talked with the doctors and the nurses i think dealing with things alone is probably the worst thing that you can do in a situation like this that reaching out to your support network to your family to your friends to people at the hospital to your family doctor whoever there's lots of resources out there Um, and i think it's important that people know that and kind of have that in the back of their mind so those are kind of the 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 three takeaways, um, from hearing your story that I think are important for everybody, even though, like you said, everybody's situation, um, is, is different, but these things, thinking about these things and talking about these things can be a real challenge for people. And I think just to hear you, that you went through it, um, maybe you'll give some people some comfort and some support moving forward.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, Mike, you know, and I'm so glad my mom and I talked about this because it gave me, you know, gave me the strength. Uh, knowing that I knew what she wanted and she was clear about it and so that I could support her in ways that were aligned with her wishes.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important, Bella. And I hope your kids are, I'm sure your kids will be as great uh, with you when you reach the end of your life um, as you were with your mom. Um, that's my greatest hope for you because what a great son that you've been, I think, to your mom. And And I'm sure your kids will support you in the same way. Um, But on that note, I think it's probably a good time to wrap this conversation up. It's been about 35 minutes and that's usually our normal length with these things. And even though the topic was very different today than what we um, we talk about normally, um, I I think it's probably we'll keep to our usual time limits. So listeners, um, we hope you found our conversation interesting and thought provoking, even though it was not about sailing and not about what we typically talk about. But if you have questions or comments about what we've discussed, um, you're always free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, and, and thanks for listening, Mike. Uh, this has been very helpful to me and, and the other conversations we've had through this process. Uh, you've been a great friend, uh, and uh, it's been very good. And hopefully, you know, this is uh, helpful to uh, one or two people out there in the listening audience. But next episode, we'll be back to sailing. Uh, so for today, signing off from upstate New York. See you all next time.
1: Yeah, and thanks again, Bela, for sharing. I appreciate it, and I hope that you can remember your mom in some great ways and share those memories with your grandchildren uh, in, the, in the coming years. Um, so thanks, Bela. All right, everybody, see you next time for our next episode.